So, so I'm going to be uh, talking today, and we're going to continue on with these key figures of the Bible. So uh, if you've been here for the last couple of weeks, we started with, uh, with Abraham, okay? Abraham, uh, the Bible says he's the father of the faith, okay? It was, uh, it was Abraham that God came down and spoke to and said, I'm calling you out of this uh, group of people, out of this place, because I want to establish my nation. I want to establish my people um, on the earth. And it was from Abraham that God established, ultimately established Israel, the, uh, the, the Jewish people. They came from Abraham. That's why you sing, Father Abraham had many sons. Okay, that's where Abraham uh, comes from. Uh, and uh, so it was Abraham, and then uh, Abraham had Isaac, and uh, Isaac uh, was who Destiny spoke of uh, last week, and then today we're going to talk about Jacob. And so we're starting with these three key, key figures of the Bible. Um, obviously, I think this is like a 11, 12-week semester or something like that, and there's obviously more than like 12 key figures of the Bible. Uh, but we wanted to start off with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because you, you don't just read about them in one book. You don't just read their story in Genesis and then it's over because throughout the Old Testament, God is always referring to himself as I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you can, you can even roll into the New Testament and God is still identifying himself there as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so uh, if, if we're going to uh, carry these names throughout the Bible, then we need to talk about who are these people, what role did they play, and, uh, and what lessons can we glean from their life. And, um, and so I, I was not in here, so I did not hear everything that Destiny has talked about the last couple of weeks with Abraham and Isaac, because um, I was back there fixing our marriage. And so, I mean, it's worked out great. Uh, but, uh, but, uh, but tonight we're going to talk about Jacob. And I want to share with you six key moments in Jacob's journey, six key moments in Jacob's journey, I believe we can, uh, we can extract from these significant moments in his journey and we can find our own journey within his journey tonight. So we're not just going to learn about Jacob, we're going to learn about ourselves throughout this, uh, throughout this process. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 25, Genesis chapter 25. Um, uh, it says um, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife. She became unable to have. Uh, she was unable to have children. Isaac prayed, and then Rebecca became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb, so that she went to ask about. She went to ask the Lord about this. Why is this happening to me? She asked. And then in verse twenty-three, we're going to pick up. And the Lord told her, "The sons in your womb will become two nations." From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she did indeed have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat, so they named him Esau, which means red. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so they named him Jacob. The first key moment in Jacob's life was his birth. His birth. His birth was the first key moment in this journey. And before we even get to the birth, we, we see some, some critical things that happened before Jacob even got on the earth. The Bible says that, that Isaac prayed and the Lord answered. Rebecca was barren, unable to have children. Isaac prayed and God 
answered. And I think it's just a, uh, that's a model for us that God wants us to pray and God wants us to pray because he has the ability to answer. He wouldn't ask you to pray if there was nothing that he could do for you. He would not want you to, to petition to him and to call out to him if he had no power and no capability of coming and doing anything for you. But the word of God declares, I want you to pray. I want you to, I want you to call upon me. I want you to ask me. Ask and you shall receive. Why? Because he is a God who has the ability to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. So Isaac prayed in that moment. God heard the prayer and now Rebecca has twins. She's pregnant, but obviously she doesn't know what's going on. There are no sonograms back here in Genesis chapter 25. And so all she knows is she's pregnant and some stuff is happening. There seems like this war is going on inside uh, of her belly. And it says, Rebecca inquired. Rebecca asked the Lord and, and, and the Lord responded. See, we can, we can just go ahead and understand that God doesn't just want you to pray because he has the ability to answer. God also wants you to ask questions because he has the ability to answer. God wants to speak to us. God desires the desire of God to speak to you. You know, we talk about having a relationship with God. How weird would it be if we had relationship and only one of us talked to each other? I mean, how, how awkward would that be if we said, yeah, we, we, we have relationship. Me and, me and Alvin, we've got relationship. We have relationship, but, but only one of us talk to each other. I mean, I came up to Alvin. Hey, Alvin, how you doing today? So good to see you. Aren't you everything just going good? And he just stared at me. Man, it's, hey, that was great talking to you, man. I really appreciate that. God bless. Can't wait to see you again, Alvin. And he never said anything to me. We wouldn't have relationship. Relationship means that we communicate back and forth. And when we talk about having relationship with God, God doesn't want you just to talk to him. God wants to talk back to you. God can talk to you in, in a multiple ways. God, God speaks to you through his word. His word is alive. Whenever you read the Bible, you are not reading a history book. You are reading the breath of God. God is breathing. His word is alive. It is sharp. The word of God says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Whenever you open that book, you are literally opening the life of God. God's wanting to speak to you from the volume and the depth of that book. God also will, will speak to you um, in an audible voice. Now, I've never heard that one, and I'm okay if I don't hear that one. I'll just be honest with you. I'm okay. But God does speak in an audible voice. God can speak to you through his spirit inside of you. That We are carriers of the Holy Spirit, and God will speak by his spirit. He will speak to you. Say, what is that like? That is like a thought that comes out of seemingly left field. You would have never had that thought. You weren't thinking about that. You weren't planning for that. You weren't trying to strategize for that. You weren't trying to scheme for that. And just out of nowhere, just poop. It just pops into your head, and God is speaking to you in that moment through his spirit that is on the inside of you. God can also speak to you through people. God can use, God can use your next-door neighbor to speak to you. I mean, God used a donkey in the Bible to speak to a prophet, okay? It, uh, God, God can use your enemy. God can use your friend. God can use, God can use your pastors, to speak his word to you. And wow, you just walk out and go, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Well, I didn't know that that's exactly what you needed to hear. God knew that's what you needed to hear. My favorite thing is whenever I finish the message, they're like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And they start talking to me about the message and I didn't say anything that they're saying. That's my favorite. Why? Because God's speaking to you. 
You are hearing bits and pieces of what I'm saying, but God is like turning it around and twisting it around and forming it just what you need to fit in the missing puzzle piece of your life. And you're talking back to me, and I'm like, I didn't even say that, but God was speaking to you in the midst of a service. God wants to speak to you. God desires to speak to you. And so he's not afraid of you inquiring of him. He's not afraid of you asking him because he wants to speak to you. And so Rebecca asks and says, why is this happening to me? Man, this feels like this war is going on. And And the Bible says the Lord told her, the son's in your womb. There'll be two nations. She didn't know that she was having twins. The Bible even says when the time came for her to give birth, Rebecca discovered that she indeed did have twins. God spoke to her about two nations being inside of her, two people being inside of her. Then whenever she gave birth, sure enough, there was two babies because the word of the Lord is always true, and it does come to pass. And so they, they, she has the first baby, and then they named the first one Esau. So Esau, Esau comes out first, and he's red and covered in this hair. I don't know what that means, but it's... Kind of freaky. Um, he comes out, and then, but then there's Jacob. Then Jacob's coming out of the womb, and Jacob has grabbed the heel of his brother. He's coming out of the womb, and he's already grabbed the heel. And so they named him Jacob. The, the, the literal translation of Jacob means heel grabber, which we further translate into deceiver. So Jacob is coming out of the womb, and he is grabbing his brother's heel. He, he is a heel grabber. He is a deceiver. And when I think about his birth, all I can think about is our birth, that we were born into sin. We were born a deceiver. We were born a heel grabber. We were born selfish. We were born wanting to be first. We were born wanting it our way. We were born selfish. Nobody had to teach you how to be selfish. Nobody had to teach you how to, how to want you. You know, whenever it was just Carolina Lee, I never heard the word mine. Because it was just her. She never said mine. It was like Juju showed up on the scene and when Juju could start moving, it was like no, these are mine. I'm like, where did you learn that? We didn't teach you that. We didn't, we didn't tell you that those were yours and that's not hers. And we didn't, we, we didn't even have to teach. This word just came out of nowhere. It's mine. Man, a few weeks ago, we had some friends over. And they, they, they had this little girl that was playing with Carolina Lee and Juju. And I could tell, like, something just wasn't right. I went into the back room, and Carolina Lee and Juju are laying on top of all of their favorite stuffed animals. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they're like, she was trying to play with them. And I said, well, you're just going to lay on them? Like, I mean, what, what is it? Like, you got them on arrest? They're like on lockdown, you know? Like, they're not getting away from me. Like, she's not a thief. She's four. Like, just let, let her play with, play with the dolls. But, but there's something in us that says, no, 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 this, this is mine. Why? Because there, there is a deceiver. There is a selfishness. Why? Why? Because we are born into sin. We are all born the same way that Jacob was born, with this human nature that says, I want my way and I want my way right now. That's how we're all born. I love, one thing I love about Jacob is that Jacob, Jacob was, was, was scrappy in the womb 
and he was scrappy all the way to the tomb. I mean, this guy was just, he was, he was scrappy his whole life. He is fighting his brother in the womb. Esau wins on the way out, and he's like, not so fast, my friend. I mean, he, this guy is scrappy, and he's a, he's a fighter all the days of his life. As you read through the life of Jacob, he is a fighter. He is scrappy. But the other thing that I see in his birth is that not only, not only does he come out grabbing the heel and gets the name deceiver or heel grabber, but in Jacob was everything that he would ever need to fulfill the purpose and the destiny of God. Inside of him was all that he would need. And can I tell you, whenever you came out of the womb, God had already pre-programmed you for everything that you would need to step into the destiny and to step into the purpose of God. God had already put it in your DNA. He had put it in your personality. He had put it in your gifts, and he put it in your talents. It doesn't matter that you came out, that you were born in sin. Hear me. You were born in sin, but you were not born incomplete. Now you needed to be reborn or you needed to be redeemed, but you did not need to be reconstructed. You just needed to be sanctified. You needed to be saved. You needed the blood of Jesus to come in and to cleanse your life. You needed to be born again. You needed to be born of the Spirit so that you could access the Spirit of God. But you on, on, you on the inside, you were not born incomplete. Yes, you were born into sin, and that sin is taken care of when you are born again. But God didn't have to come in and change all the stuff inside of you and start changing out the hardware, rewiring all kinds of stuff and changing your personality and saying, oh, I know you played the drums before you got saved, but no, I got to change you. Now you got to learn how to play the guitar. No, God didn't come in and do that because whatever was on the inside of us was everything that we needed to accomplish the purpose and the destiny of God. You were born complete. You, you need Jesus, but you were born complete. You were born ready for the mission that God has for you. So we see in the birth, the birth that we are, we are born into sin. We are born as a deceiver. Jesus comes in to, so that we can be born again, but we are complete. In Jacob, he was a scrappy little fella. He was a fighter from the very beginning, and that's exactly what he needed to be to survive. For, for Jacob to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob better been a scrapper. He better be a fighter. He, he better, he better know, know what it was to battle and to war as we continue to move on through the story. And you will see that more and more come to pass, that everything that he needed was already inside of him. Here's the second thing that we see in Jacob's journey. We see this, this situation with the birthright. The second key moment is this situation with the birthright. And uh, Esau was the firstborn. And the Bible tells that Esau, he was a skillful, skillful hunter. He was an outdoorsman. Um, uh, Jacob was uh, a little bit more of a mama's boy, hanging around in the kitchen um, and, and, and working. And the Bible says that one day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. All right, Jacob replied. But trade me your rights as the firstborn son. 
Look, I'm dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright to me now? But Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore on an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal. Then he got up and left. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. You say, what? I don't really know much about this birthright. Uh, the, the firstborn always had the birthright. And the birthright was simply this, that whenever, uh, whenever the inheritance was passed, uh, the, the, the son who had the birthright would get twice as much. So if there, was, if there was just two sons like there was here, then one son would get 66%, the other would get 33%. If there was, if there was three, then, then the, the oldest one would get 50%, everybody else would get 25%. So he just got double what everybody else in the family got. And, and so it was just, a, it, was, it was a position, it was a status, it was an inheritance. And, and then we see Esau coming in from the field, and he's been out there hunting, and he's tired, and he's exhausted, and it was hot. And he comes in, and what we see is that Esau paid more attention to his temporary starvation than he did to his permanent reputation. He, pay, he paid more attention to his temporary starvation than he did his permanent reputation. You say, why do you say permanent reputation? Because it, it, it didn't have to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It could have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. That, that's, what it, that's what it should have been. If you're just looking at the facts, if you're just looking at the, at the statistics of who was born and where they were born, it should have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But because he paid more attention to his temporary starvation than he did his permanent reputation, and, and that, that, his, that his lineage, that his legacy would have gone throughout the whole word of God, he paid more attention to his hunger in a moment than he did his legacy for his lifetime. And so he traded for what, what was the most important for something that was really the least important. So I, I, give me some of that stew. Give me some of that thing. What, how do you do that? It, it, it is short-term thinking versus long-term living. And this is something that we all have uh, the temptation to do. We, we all have the temptation to give in to momentary satisfaction. Everybody in the room is tempted constantly to give in to momentary satisfaction, to, to, to do something that we know we shouldn't do that will cause us to feel a certain way that we want to feel. And it doesn't matter what, what that looks like. It doesn't matter if you're, if you're talking about uh, uh, watching pornography. It doesn't matter if you're talking about telling a lie. It doesn't matter if you're talking about gossiping. If you're just talking about having that information that somebody else is going to go, ooh, and we get that, ooh, we get that feeling like, ah, I knew something that you didn't know. And, ah, this is so good right now. And, and we get that, that, that feeling of ecstasy and excitement because of whatever it looks like, whatever that thing is, we are all faced with that moment. But you have to understand what you are trading for that moment. For that, for that momentary satisfaction, you're trading your peace. For that momentary satisfaction, you're trading your joy. For that momentary satisfaction, you are trading your purpose. For that momentary satisfaction, you are trading something that is more valuable for something that just feels good in the moment. It's how people lose their families. Because they make a decision for something 
that they want in the moment. And they think, oh, well, nobody will find out or it's not going to really be that big of a deal. And they go there and the problem is they go there and they end up losing the most important thing in their life. Because they, they make a temporary decision for momentary satisfaction. And, you know, I've heard people say this, that, you know, well, Isaac stole his birthright. Isaac didn't steal anything. Esau gave it away. Isaac didn't walk in and demand it. Isaac did not come in and steal it. All Isaac did was, was just ask him if he was willing to give it up. And it didn't mean anything to Esau, but it meant everything to Isaac. Jacob, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It, it did not mean anything to Esau, but it meant everything to Jacob. Some people just can't see far enough into the future to care about the right things. Some people just can't see far enough into the future to care about the right things. Here Esau comes in, and he's hungry, and he's starving, but he just walked all the way from the wilderness into the house. He could have got his lazy butt up and walked over there into the kitchen. But he's laid out in the living room. Oh, oh, I just can't make it. Bring me some of that stew. And, and, and I said, oh, this is a good opportunity because you've got something that I really want. Don't think for a moment that this was the first time that, 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 that Jacob. Don't think this was the first time that Jacob ever had this, this moment. Like, this wasn't the first time. I don't believe that. I believe that he had, he had seen his brother despise the birthright. I believe he saw this as an opportunity. This wasn't a first-time thing. I believe he knew what was about to happen. And, I, and Jacob said, I want this. I really want this in my life. And he knew that Esau didn't want it. And he knew that Esau wanted that too. And he said, because you don't want what's most important, and I've got my eye on what's most important, I will give you something that's not important at all, and from you I'll take what's most important to me. Why? Because some people can see further into the future about what really matters. Some people trade the important things for a little stew. They, 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 they trade their, their eternity. They, they trade their, their, their family. They, they trade their, their calling. They trade their purpose. They trade their destiny. They trade their future. They trade everything. Why? Just for, just for a bowl of soup, for some stew. Because they can't see far enough into the future of what this was going to happen. I, I, I believe that Jacob understood. This is going down. We're going down in history. It's going to be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It ain't going to be Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. It's going to be, it's going to be me. So he, he gets the, the birthright. Here's the, the third key moment in his life, and that is the blessing. The blessing, the third key moment. So we, we've got the birth. We've got this, this situation with the birthright. And then there is this blessing. And, and one day now, uh, Isaac, Jacob's father is old, and he's, uh, he's getting uh, he's getting ready, he's preparing himself to die, and he calls Esau into the room, and he says, Esau, he says, go out, and I want you to kill some wild game. I want you to pre prepare it for me just the way that I like it prepared, and I want you to come and feed me that meal, and after I eat this meal, then I am going to bless you. And so Esau runs out into the field uh, to, to kill the wild game for his dad, and uh uh, and 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 the the mama overhears what's going on, and she comes in there to Jacob and she says, Jacob. Let's pick up and read verse five. But Rebecca overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau, 
So when Esau left to hunt for wild game, she said to her son, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game, prepare a delicious meal, then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Ooh, nobody knows it like mama knows it. I'll prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take your food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies story goes on and he says but but mom he's gonna know it's not me I don't I don't have all that hair all over me and she said I'll take care of that too we'll take the goat's hair and we'll put it on your arms but I don't smell like the outside mom I I smell like you he said she said that's fine we'll go and we'll get some of your brother's clothes and we'll put your brother's clothes on you the father was uh, he was going blind and he couldn't see and she said we'll we'll get this done you know have you ever have you ever watched your children do something and you watch them do it and you just thought to yourself, my God, there's no way that I could ever deny that they're mine because they acted just like you? Like, it's not even a trained behavior. Like, it's a situation they've never been in before. It's not like you told them and they just do it, spur of the moment, and it's like, that's exactly what I would have said. You know, like, how, how does that happen? Now, you ever wonder how Jacob got like he was? You ever wonder where Jacob got this, this deceiving, manipulating mindset? He had a mama. It's where he got it from. He wasn't alone. His mom came and said, oh, I overheard your dad talking. And I got a little Jacob in me too. I got a little deceiver. I got a little heel grabber in me. So we're going to outsmart your dad right now. And I want you to go out in the flock. And I want you to kill the lambs. I want you to bring them. And I can prepare his favorite dish. I can promise you after he eats this meal, he will bless whatever is in front of him. And so he makes the meal. And sure enough, it works out. And he goes in. And, uh, and he says, uh, uh, Isaac, Isaac says, it's, you, you, you feel like Esau. You smell like Esau. But you sure do talk like Jacob. Are you, are you really, are you really Esau? And he says, Yes, Father, I'm I'm really Esau. Okay, now, now Jacob didn't steal the birthright. Jacob stole the blessing. Jacob just went all in on the blessing. The birthright had to do more with the, the tangible things. They had more to do with land. They had more to do with position. It had to do more with status. But the blessing has to do with more of the unseen things. The blessing had to do more with the favor of God. The, the, the blessing was not a transfer of what I owned. It was, a, it was a transfer of what was in me. It was a transfer of the promise. It was a transfer of the power of God, the provision of God, the goodness of God. It was a transfer of the unseen things. So the birthright was important. It was good because now Jacob was going to get, uh, he was going to get twice as much as his brother and that was important. But here, here's what the blessing did. The blessing said now what has rested on your grandfather Abraham and what has rested on my life, now that will be imparted to you. You will live with the same favor that was on Abraham. You will live with the same blessing that was on Abraham. You will fulfill the promise that was on your grandfather and on your father. There was something so special and significant about 
about the blessing. And there is no way in our lives that we can ever guarantee that we would receive the blessing. of God has been so good to us as it is that if he never blessed us again, he has already done more than we deserve. There is nothing that we could ever do to guarantee the blessing. But I will say this, whenever you take care of what matters to God, God has a tendency to take care of you. The birthright mattered to God, and Esau despised it. The birthright mattered to God, and Esau made light of it. The birthright mattered to God, and Esau sold it for a little bit of soup. But Jacob says, this means something to me, and so I will do whatever it takes to get it. And whenever you put yourself in position, it is something about getting in position that God loves. And whenever you get in position, whenever you are faithful with the little things, God makes you a ruler over more things. Whenever you take care of what God has asked you to take care of, when you value what he values, when you care about what he cares about, and you get in that position so many times it's in that position that you find the blessing of the favor of God pouring out on your life simply because you said I care about what nobody else here cares about and so because he did that he he got the blessing now the blessing we understand the blessing ultimately did not come from Isaac the blessing came from God because when Isaac blessed him he didn't bless him with the authority of his own words he had blessed him with the authority of God He put his hand on Jacob, Isaac put his hand on Jacob, and he began to speak the blessing of God. He began to prophesy over his son. He began to speak the blessing over him, and he was speaking not just with his own words. He was speaking with the authority of God in that moment to give him something that Isaac couldn't give him. Isaac couldn't give him that kind of favor. Isaac couldn't give him that kind of blessing. Isaac couldn't make happen what he was talking about, uh, what he was speaking over Jacob's life. There's only one way that he would get it, and that is the power and the authority of God and the favor and the blessing blessing of God. And so when he laid hands on him, he gave him a blessing, but it was only because Jacob was in position. See, if you want the blessing of God, you got to make sure that you're in the right position. Am I taking care of the little things? Am, 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 am I caring about what God cares about? Don't care about what your next door neighbor cares about. Don't just pay attention to what your cousin talks about. Pay attention to what God cares about. You need to get in line with what God cares about. And whenever you take care of the thing that God cares about and you begin to value what he values, it's amazing you get in the position. And when you get in that position, you can begin to walk with an authority and a blessing and a favor that you could have never earned or could have ever deserved. Let's move on to the fourth. The fourth thing is Bethel. Bethel, Bethel, this is the fourth key moment in Jacob's journey. So this is, this is a key moment. He was born, he's got this birthright, now he's got this blessing, now he, move, he moves on to this place called Bethel. I want, I want to read this as a, a little bit of a lengthy scripture, but I want to read it because there's so much for us to take away from it. It says, at sundown he arrived at a good place and set up camp. And he, was, he was on a journey, and he stopped there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and uh, lay down to sleep, and you, you thought you just had a bad pillow. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from, heaven, uh, that reached from earth up to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, 
the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you're lying on belongs to you. I am giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more? Like that wasn't enough, right? What's more? I am with you. And I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised. Somebody needs to just say amen. Then Jacob woke up from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid, and he said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone that he had rested his head on, and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Wow, what an incredible story. On a journey, minding his own business, lays down for the night, lays his head on the most comfortable rock he could find, woken to this vision, this dream, stairway to heaven, the Lord standing on the top saying, I'm the God of your grandfather, I'm the God of your father, I am the one they've been talking about, I know we haven't had an encounter yet, but Consider this your first encounter. I am the one that that made the promise. I am the one that has fulfilled my word. I am that one. And then he begins to say, and I'm going to do the same thing for you. I'm going to bless you beyond. And what's more, I'm going to be with you. And I promise you, I'm not going to be done with you until everything is finished that I told you I was going to do in you and through you. And he just goes on and on and on. And then he wakes up and he says, wow, this is the house of God. The Lord was here and I wasn't even Aware. Think how many times is the Lord surrounding us and we're just not aware? How many times is the Lord providing and we're just not aware? How many times is the Lord doing things for us and we're just not aware of what he is doing? We must be people that are aware. That's why part of our blessing, uh, uh, our declaration is that, that we say, Holy Spirit, open up my eyes to see. My eyes to see what? My eyes to see what you're doing in my life. Open up my ears to hear. Ears to hear what? What you're speaking to me right now today. God, touch my mind. Why? So that I can understand. So that I can understand concepts and things that I've never been able to grasp before. But the Holy Spirit can give me the mind to understand. And then we pray and give me the heart to receive. Because I don't want to just see it and hear it and understand it. I've got to receive this into my life. And that's what was happening here. It's what was happening for Jacob. He was seeing it. He was hearing it. He was understanding it. And now he's receiving it. And saying, I'm going to build an altar here. And this is the place of God. And God, I want to be with you all the days of my life. It was, a, it was an awareness issue. So many times God is closer than we think he is. 
We feel like, man, I don't know what my grandmom was talking about. I don't know what my dad was talking about, my mom was talking about. And then all of a sudden, poof, there we are, God visiting us, speaking to us. And I want to point out there that it, he changes the name. He, he changes the name of the old place. And he says, now this place is going to be called Bethel. It's going to be called the house of God, although it was previously called Luz. Luz was simply a name that someone else gave that city. It was just a name that some, somebody else had, had given that plot of land. And they said, this place is Luz. And he says, not anymore, it's not. <laughs> Luz means like almond tree. He's like, that don't do this justice. I, I'm changing the name of this ground here. I'm changing the name of this place. He said, this place is going to be called Bethel. It is going to be referred to as the house of God. And you ought to be encouraged because what you see here in this text is when he changed the name of the city, he changed the significance of that place. And there is, there is a power that you have in your life to change the labels that people have put on you. They have labeled you as Luz. They have said, this is who you are. You are Luz. This is who you are. You are loser. This is who you are. You are not good enough. This is who you are. You are not qualified. This is who you are. Lazy. This is who you are. Greedy. This is who you are. This is who you are. You are angry. You are sorry. You are whatever you want to put on there. And somebody put that label on you. They could have put it there in the third grade or they could have put it there when you're 33 years old. But somebody labeled you. Can I tell you that you have the power to to change the label you have the power to say wait a minute no this is this is no longer lust here anymore instead this is Bethel this is the house of God and whenever you change the name you change the significance because there was power in the label there was power in the name and so no longer was this place going to be called almond tree this place was now going to be called the house of God and you can change the name that people have put on you say no I'm not that anymore this is who I am. I am more than a conqueror. This is who I am. I am the one that will see all things come to pass in my life that God said was going to come to pass in my life. You can change the story. You can change the story. What the enemy meant for harm, God can turn it around for your good. Change the story. Change the name. Here's the fifth key moment. So we, we see this encounter here at, at, at Bethel. As a key moment, but then he moves on to the next moment, and that is his bride. Genesis 29, you know, after, after, uh, after Jacob stole the blessing, just for your Bible context, Esau wasn't real happy about it. <laughs> so he stole the blessing, and Esau comes back, and then he says, I'm going to kill my brother. Mama heard that too, <laughs> and Mama ran back there and said, Jacob, He's got the bow and arrow. I advise you run, okay? Jacob took off running. And Jacob runs all the way to his uncle's house, Uncle Laban. And Laban had two daughters, the oldest one named Leah. The younger was named Rachel. The Bible says that Rachel was, was beautiful. Um, and uh, the Bible says that Leah had no sparkle in her eye. That's the nicest way to say she was ugly. I mean, that's just the nicest way. Leah, she had no sparkle in her eye, but Rachel was fine, you know? <laughs> Jacob was in love with Rachel, 
and he told he told Laban, he said, I, I'll, uh, I want to marry her. And he says, okay, well, let's, well, let's talk about the arrangement. And he says, I'll work, I'll work for you for seven years. You give me Rachel. They came to, came to an agreement. And the Bible says this in verse 21 of Genesis 29. Finally, the time came for him to marry her. I have fulfilled my agreement, Jacob said to Laban. Now give me my wife so I can sleep with her. So Laban invited everyone in the neighborhood, prepared a wedding feast. But that night when it was dark, Laban took Leah to Jacob. And he slept with her. Laban had given Leah a servant to be her maid. But when Jacob woke up in the morning, it was Leah. What have you done to me? Jacob raged against <laughs> Laban. I have worked seven years for Rachel. Why have you tricked me? You know, it's interesting that we're in a Reap What You Sow series right now on Sunday. <laughs> you do. It's just a fact. It don't matter if you're Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. You're going to reap what you sow. Laban says, well, it's, it's not our custom to marry the younger daughter first. Leah is not married, and so it's our custom here that we marry the, the oldest daughter first. And uh, Jacob was like, that would have been, been good info. <laughs> You'd have told me seven years ago we could have renegotiated the contract. And, uh, and he says, um, what do you want to do for, for, for Rachel? And he says, I'll work another seven years. For Rachel, and that's that's what happened. Jacob uh, Jacob got Rachel, and uh, uh, and then uh, worked for another seven years, so fourteen years. And now he's got uh, these 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 two these two women. He's got Leah, and he's got Rachel. And he didn't want Leah. He he. I, I just I just want you to. To, to, to imagine the moment. You know, sometimes when you read the Bible, you gotta get you gotta get into the story. And I just want you to imagine if you were Leah. Your dad gives you to Jacob, and the next morning, Jacob is irate, angry. Raging at Laban, why did you do this to me? He's not happy. Why did you bless me so much? No, he is angry. Why did you trick me? Why did you deceive me? Why have you given me her? I didn't want her. I wanted her. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Jacob? I just got, <laughs> I just got scammed. I am the scammer. I am the schemer. And I just got scammed and I just got schemed. Do you know that God can use what you don't even understand? Because we could all sit here and go, why, why, why Leah? Why did all of this happen? Because Leah gave birth to a son named Judah. And when we talk about Jesus, we talk about he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, and Judah came from Leah. And so when you can't understand what's happening in your life, what you have to learn how to do is to trust that God's going to work it all out in the end. Whenever you can't trace God in the moment, you got to trust God in the long run and understand that, God, I might not understand what's going on right now, but I know you have a plan. And Romans 8.28 is true, and it is your promise to me that says you can take all the things in my life and you can work them 
out for my good. So I don't understand why Leah is in the tent. I don't understand why I got tricked. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I'm here. I don't understand what's going on right now. I don't understand why we just had this accident. I don't understand what is going on in my life right now, but I trust that God can bring something great out of my situation. That's where Jesus came from. And there you are, Leah, feeling like I'm, I'm, I'm unloved, I'm a nobody, and you didn't even realize that you were giving birth to the Savior of the world. Jesus was going to come through your lineage. See, God's always doing more than you think he's doing. That's why you have to trust him through it all. Because even when you don't feel it, even when it's not working out the way you thought it was going to work out, God is doing something in the earth, and he's doing it through you. And you might not see it with your own eyes, but let me tell you what's happening right now up in heaven. Lee is walking around talking about, uh-huh, uh-huh. Why? Because God had a plan through it all. See, God can give your disappointment an assignment. God can give your disappointment an assignment. All you, thought it was, all you thought it was was disappointment, and God gave an assignment to your disappointment, and through your disappointment was going to come blessing. Through your disappointment was going to come your breakthrough. Through your disappointment was going to come into the earth something that would have not gotten into the earth any other way, but God had to get it there through your disappointment. It's a monumental moment. It's a monumental moment in all of our lives. Whenever you realize that your disappointment can have an assignment, just ask Joseph in the Old Testament. Ask Joseph, man. Joseph was sold out by his brother, sold into slavery. We'll probably be talking about Joseph here in the next couple weeks. Sold out to slavery, lied about, thrown in prison, forgotten about when he was in prison, and then God just elevated him, the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. Man, if there wouldn't have been the first disappointment, <laughs> then, then God wouldn't have had the assignment on his life. You say, well, that was good for him, second most powerful person in all of Egypt. Ooh, what, 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 that, that's, that's wonderful. No, no, no. He, he saved his family. He saved his family because when the family was in the land, they came to Egypt for food. And now he has been elevated to the place that he was able to give them the very best. He was able to bless them more than they could have ever imagined. He was able to do that for them. Where did that blessing come from? From disappointment. Because it's in your disappointment that God can give you a disappointment and divine assignment. Let's move on to the last, the last stop along Jacob's journey. And that is whenever Jacob was broken, when he was broken. Genesis 32, so now he's got wives and servants and he's left Laban's house and he's now moved on and God has blessed him tremendously. Starting in verse 24 in Genesis 32, and this left Jacob all alone in the camp. He had already sent his family across the, the Jabbok River, and uh, he had sent all of his possessions, and he's there alone. And it says a man came and wrestled with him until 
uh, until the dawn began to break. And uh, some translations say it's an angel. Many scholars believe that this was the pre-incarnate Christ that came down and wrestled with Jacob. But whether it was an angel from God or whether it was God himself, uh, this, this God being came down and wrestled with him. When, when the man saw that he was not going to win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him from now on, you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with man and you have won. Jacob started wrestling with Esau in the womb, and now he's wrestling with God on the bank of the Jabbok River. And there had been a, a lot of wrestling in between his birth and this moment. And typically, when you find yourself wrestling with everyone, then you're only actually wrestling with someone. And that is yourself. In life, whenever you're wrestling, everybody in your life, the person that you're really wrestling with is yourself. Jacob had fought with his brother and he had fought with his uncle and he had fought with their servants and he had fought with his cousins and he had fought and he had fought and he had fought and he had fought and And typically when you fight against everyone you're only fighting someone and that one person is yourself you know the Bible says that Jacob fought with God and men and and I think we can just think about that Jacob fought with God and men, that he, he fought with Esau and he fought with Laban and he fought with all of these other people. But I think the, the, the most important man that Jacob fought with was himself. The angel said, you're, you're not going to be Jacob anymore. And said, now you're going to be Israel because you have fought with God. And now for the, maybe for the very first time, you realize that it's not about Esau. And it's not about the birthright. And it's not just about that blessing. And it's not just about all of these other things. You, you realize now that it's about you. It's about you. He said, you fought with God and you fought with, with men And the most important man you've ever fought with, you're fighting with right now. You're fighting with yourself, this internal struggle. Because see, what was on the other side of the Jabbok River was Esau. Jacob had the birthright in his hand. He had got the blessing of his father. God had blessed him so much. He had so many cattle and sheep, and he had everything you could ever imagine. He's got sons galore. I mean, God has so blessed him coming out of of Laban's house. He's just so blessed, and he sends it all across, but he knows that this meeting with Esau is imminent. And now Jacob is here on the bank of the Jabbok River, and he is wrestling with himself because he realized it wasn't really about 
about that birthright and it wasn't just about that blessing and it wasn't just about me having an experience at Bethel. It wasn't just about me struggling with the bride. It wasn't about all of these things. This is really the moment when it comes down to me wrestling with myself. God came down and he says, are you going to let Jacob die so that Israel can live? Are you going to let your past die? Are you going to let your fears die? Are you going to let go of everything that you have ever hold dear so that, so that you can let that deceiver, so that you can let that heel grabber, so that you can let that person die because there is a brand new identity that I want to give you, and that identity is Israel. That will be your name from this moment on. Why did he get that name at that moment? Because I believe it was the first time that he ever said and he ever realized this is really the wrestling match that I've always been waiting for. For. And it's not about wrestling with somebody else. It's about wrestling with the person on the inside. And if I can ever let Jacob die on the inside, then Israel can begin to live through me. If I will ever let the deceiver die on the inside, then victory can live through me. If I will ever let my own way die on the inside, then God's way can live through my life. And he wrestled here on the edge of the Jabbok. And it was there that Jacob died. And Israel came alive. And it was there that he was broken. He was broken. The Bible says that when God touched his hip, it came out of socket. And as you continue to read the story, the Bible says that Jacob limped the rest of his life. The rest of his days, he walked with a limp. That limp was simply a reminder that sometimes God breaks you down to break you through. And what you're walking with right now, you're not walking with a bum leg. You're, you're walking with a, with a whole heart. What you're, what you're really walking with is a destiny. You're, 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 not, you're not just walking around with a bad leg. No, no, no. You're walking into your destiny. You're walking into your promise. You're walking into everything that I have for you. And it was after that that Jacob faced Esau and God had done a miracle. Esau wasn't trying to kill Jacob anymore. He embraced Jacob, kissed him, said, brother, I've got gifts for you. There's stuff I want to give you. I want to bless you. God's been so good to me. And what he was afraid of just moments before now, all of a sudden God is working it all out, but I believe it came to this moment when God said, are you going to wrestle yourself down to the very bottom of who you are so that who I created you to be can begin to live through you? God breaks you down to break you through. Because he has more for you. God breaks you down to break you through. Same way that God had a breakthrough for Jacob, God's got a breakthrough for you. It's always about you, you letting Jacob die, letting your identity die, letting yourself die so that the name that God wants to put on you, the identity that God wants to put on you, the calling and the purpose and the destiny that God wants to put on you, it's about letting Jacob die so that that can live through you all the days of your life. I want you to stand.
want you to bow your heads just for a moment. Whenever God touches you, <laughs> oh man, that moment when you come to the end of yourself and you start realizing, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not wrestling with my boss. I'm not wrestling with my dad. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not wrestling with my brother. I'm not wrestling with that situation. simply wrestling with myself. That moment that you come to that breakdown place, when God says, who, who are you? Who are you? And just a moment of honesty and transparency, you say, I'm, I'm a deceiver. I'm a, I'm a manipulator. I'm a sinner. That's who I really am. The moment when you come to the end of your own way, the end of your own strength, the end of your own perspective, moment that you come to the end of yourself it's at the end of yourself that God says okay let's leave Jacob here on the Jabbok River and now I want to pronounce a new name over you a new identity over you and I'm going to declare that you are going to walk in that identity and you are going to fulfill that purpose As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I really want you to think about this. I really want you to think about it. Out of this lying, deceiving, manipulating, heel-grabbing individual. Out of that individual, God said, I'm changing your name to Israel and throughout the rest of the Bible, they are called Israelites. The country on the map today is Israel. Because one man died to himself came alive to his purpose and destiny in God. Say, I don't know how I'm going to live. I, I don't. How do you live with the limp? Oh, how do you live with the limp? Oh, whenever you, whenever you have a limp, that just means you got to lean on God. I, I, don't, I don't know what it feels like to have a breakdown. I, 
I don't know. I don't know what's happening right now, but I feel like something's I feel like I'm having my own Jacob moment by my own Jabok River. I feel something saying it is time for something in my life to die so that something else might live. But I'm a little scared of this limp. I'm a little scared of this breakdown. I'm a little scared of what's happening. No, 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 no. Don't be scared of the limp because the limp just means that you got to lean, that you just got to lean on the promise of God. You got to lean on the provision of God. You got to lean on God like you've never leaned before don't be afraid of your limp because it just increases your lean on him your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed nobody looking around I'm not going to ask you to step out on the aisle I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front of this place but right now you see Philip you're talking to me there's there's a Jacob in me and this is this is a Jabok River moment for me. This is a moment where something has to be broken. This is a moment where something has to die. If I am going to become who God has created me to be, if I'm going to fulfill my purpose, if I'm going to, if I'm going to step into my Israel calling and my Israel moment, then something inside of me has to die. You say you're, you're speaking to me right now. And I'm ready for that to die so that the life of God can live through me. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, not between you and your neighbor. This is between you and your creator. If you say, that is me, Philip, that is me. Come on, I want you to lift your hand right now because I want to pray for you tonight. You just know that something has to die. Something has to die. Thank you. 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 So many hands all over the sanctuary tonight. Come on, can we just all pray out loud together? Will you, just, will you just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I need your love and I need your grace. And I know this is a moment for me, a significant moment in my journey. Something's got to die. Jacob has to be broken so that Israel can live so that your calling and purpose can be fulfilled in my life. And I'm not afraid of walking with a limp because it just increases my lean on you. Father, I pray for each and every person that lifted their hand tonight. It says, I feel like this is where I am on my journey. a moment where something needs to be broken. I've got to have a breakdown so I can have a breakthrough. Father, I just pray that tonight as we leave this place that we would leave with the understanding that what was in Jacob in the womb is what carried him all the way to his purpose and destiny. We're not dysfunctional. We're not messed up. We're not garbage. We're not trash. We don't need to be completely reconstructed. We don't we don't need we don't need that. No, 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 no. All we need is a moment with the creator. All we need is an honest moment to wrestle with ourselves. Activate, 
activate what you put inside of us from the very beginning. God, I thank you that Israel was always in Jacob. Come on, I want you to hear that. I just felt that's a word for somebody here right now. Israel was always in Jacob. Come on, I want you to hear me tonight. Israel was always in Jacob. You might be seeing the things going wrong and you might be focused on the struggle right now and you might think you don't have it all together. Hear me clearly tonight. This is a word for somebody in this room. Israel was always in Jacob. But it wasn't until Jacob wrestled with himself and died to himself that the fullness of Israel could shine forth. the enemy tell you that it's not in you. Don't let the enemy convince you that it's not in you. No, it's in you. And it will come out of you. In Jesus' name, I declare it over your life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give the Lord some praise tonight.